This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball, Players Edition. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Taking you inside the clubhouse for the biggest stories across the game with former major leaguers. Bellinger swings, high fly ball down the line. Featuring ex-outfielder turned Radio.com sports insider and San Diego Padres analyst Tony Gwynn Jr. They're not going to be pushed around at any point, regardless of what their record is. And former catcher turned Radio.com sports insider and Philadelphia Phillies analyst Ben Avis. It's very alarming. I had them right about 500. It's all on Radio.com sports big time baseball players edition. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball Players Edition. Alongside Ben Davis, I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. Ben and I go back to uh, when he was a teammate with my father, Ben. Uh, I used to call him Captain America, one of the most uh, physical specimens you'll ever run into. <laughs> even, uh, even now, I mean, even now at his age, he still looks fantastic for himself. But each week, we'll, we'll dig into the top stories across baseball and biggest headlines from our perspective as four major leaguers. Uh, we'll also have a variety of baseball voices on the podcast. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays second baseman Brandon Lau uh, will, will join us later. Uh, Big Time Baseball Players Edition is a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen free anytime, anywhere. Uh, listen to over 300 stations by location or genre uh, to find news and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC. Sports, and obviously uh, the two big names without a home in free agency were Dallas Keuchel and, and Craig Kimbrell. Both of them have uh, homes. Craig Kimbrell joins the Cubs, makes them immediate, gives them immediate boost in that NL Central. Keuchel joins the Braves, and, and it's a clear-cut winner to me. I think the Cubs get the the piece that helps them the most. Um, although Dallas is a terrific pitcher, I'm not sure if that helps them. Uh, overtake Philadelphia in that National League East, Ben. Yeah, well, Dallas Keuchel is a, is a nice addition, obviously, for the Braves because their their offense, I think, speaks for themselves. But, I mean, they've been hot as anybody from an offensive standpoint. But I think from a pitching standpoint, it's only going to improve them. Now, the problem is he only gets to pitch every fifth day. So he can only help them one out of every five days, right? <laughs> right. Whereas Craig right. Kimbrell for the Cubs, I think, really fixed that void because, you know, he's able to pitch every day. And you come into a safe situation, Craig Kimbrell is that guy. And the other thing that he can do is he can pitch multiple innings. He's not a guy that can just, you know, go get three outs and say, you know, that's all I can do for now. You need a strikeout, 
he's your guy. At the back end of that bullpen, he really solidifies really a, a, a crippled bullpen and the fact that you know the starting pitching for the Cubs is very good, but, but the bullpen's kind of shaky. But Craig Kimbrough, I think, really adds to that, and he's able to, to really solidify a spot at the back end. Now, this definitely solidifies the back end, but I still have some question marks in the bridge to get to that back end, right? Because it, it reminds me a little bit of the Dodgers. You, you got great starting, you got a fantastic closer, but the middle relief can be a little dicey. You look at that division, they are a little bit dicey, right? But can they add another piece that solidifies them as the top team in the National League Central. Brad Hand being one of them out of Cleveland, those guys are in no man's land, uh, especially with Minnesota right now, really running away with the division. So I, I, I'm I'm very interested to see uh, if Jed Hoyer uh, decides to make another move, him, him and Epstein put their heads together to make another move, to bring in uh, another, some type of bridge to get to Kimbrell. Because I don't think there's no doubt. Kimbrell uh, will be good. And I, I, I'm still wondering uh, in postseason. And he was mm -hmm. a little dicey there. So I would like to see what he's going to bring to the table first. And before we really start crowning these guys as the, the, the kings of that National League Central, whether we're talking about the Cardinals, Brewers, or the Cubs, uh, their middle relief has question marks. Yeah, without a doubt. And if you look at it, you get into playoff time the teams that could possibly be in the playoffs in the National League, whether that be the Phillies, whether that be the Braves, uh, whether that be the Nationals, they keep hanging around. Some of these teams that could possibly make the playoffs, right? You obviously have the Dodgers, the Phillies, or the Braves. You have the Brewers. These are lineups that just don't go down easily. So a starting pitcher could get that pitch count escalated. Hurry, you might, you might get the guy out, but you're throwing eight to ten pitches per batter. And that's going to elevate yeah. that pitch count. And next thing you know, your starter has to come out after five innings because he's thrown 110 pitches. So that's where that middle relief really does come in. And maybe just one guy in that Kimbrel, maybe that doesn't solve the whole problem for the Cubs. Somebody else that can give them a two innings. Maybe that would be like a, like a Josh Hader. I'm not saying they're going to get Hader. That's not going to happen. Right. Like a Josh Hader that can give them two innings and add a little bit more stability to a bullpen because these are guys, they just grind out at bats. I've, we've watched it the entire season, you know, having faced the Dodgers having faced the Brewers and the Cubs. These are, these are teams that just will not surrender. They keep fouling balls off, fouling balls off, till either they get one they like or they walk. And that's something that I think, you know, you got to have that out of that bullpen. The other big move, which was Dallas Keuchel to the Braves, still see the Phillies, and you can speak on this, uh, I still see the Phillies with a better starting rotation than the Braves do. And, and I see them with a better back end of the bullpen than the Braves. And, and so... When you, when you add those two things together, I'm not sure that it really is a game changer. Well, if you're talking, if, if you're saying that it's going to be a, a, a two-horse race in the National League East, it very well could be. But one thing that adding Dallas Keuchel to be, you know, to beat the Phillies, I think helps them out because the Phillies just don't hit lefties all that well. You know, they're going oh, to face the Braves point. this weekend. They're, they're going to get Max Fried and, and see how they, they handle him. Uh, lefties are just a, a tough fit for the Phillies offensively right now. They just don't hit them for whatever reason, especially guys that can cut it in underneath the hands of some of these righties, I think helps them out. But, you know, he can sink it down in a way as well, along with the best of them. But, um, you know, again, he pitches every fifth day. It's not like he's a guy that's going to be playing the outfield every day and add, you know, stability to a lineup. This is a guy that is, is out there every fifth day. And who knows how long it's going to take him to get back. I mean, he hasn't thrown at all this year. I know he made yeah. a start the other day uh, in, in A ball, but, 
it to, for him to build that pitch count back up in game situations, it might take a while. I guess I, I wasn't too surprised because of the numbers that he was asking for during the offseason, but I, I in the same same regard, I was surprised because he's been so consistent. I know there's been question marks. Of, I, I was confused why he was out for so long, and I saw better fit, honestly, than the Braves, but you kind of brought up a really good point that is making me waver on, on my initial uh, my my initial exam of of this Braves roster and adding Keiko because the the the, the Phillies do struggle with the left-handed pitching. Uh, I saw that up front in person uh, when they came here in San Diego. They struggle with left-handers, mm-hmm. and that's probably played into the decision on why the Braves went ahead and went out went after Keiko and and they were in position to do that because they were able to go out and sign bring back. Uh, Albies and they sign Acuna both to long-term deals for very contract or team-friendly contracts, and, and so that leaves you money to go out and get a guy like Keuchel and, and bring him on your rotation. And uh, I, I think they obviously they feel pretty good about it, right? They feel good about bringing a guy like Keuchel, the vet, uh, at least from the pitching staff standpoint, because those guys were all young yeah. uh, going into this year, and. Uh, they'll probably all benefit from it. I saw it firsthand here in San Diego when you have a veteran starter. Some of those young guys progress faster because they can lean on um, a, a veteran-like presence, and, and Keiko certainly is going to provide that for him. Yeah, absolutely. You can definitely you know, close the books on those two free agents, but looking at it realistically, you got a couple big names out there that are on the trade block, Madison Bumgarner. you got Trevor Bauer with the Indians. Where do you see these two guys? Obviously, Mad Bum, playoff, he's an animal in the playoffs. The guy yeah, has really yeah. staked his, uh, you know, his reputation on being a, a big-game competitor. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think a lot of teams would love to have. And then you look at Trevor Bauer, who I think is as nasty as stuff as anybody. You know, mid-'90s fastball, big hook, slider, good changeup. Where do you see these guys going? Mad Bum will probably be... Uh, the guy that most teams are looking to get now. Granted, Bauer's younger. Uh, he's still got that electric stuff. But I do think that uh, some teams that think twice about bringing a guy like Bauer because he he, he still have some type of baggage with him, uh, whether it's, you know, how outspoken he is. It seems like he's beefing with a couple players across the league via Twitter. The one thing you've seen that, that that can happen at the trade deadline is you bring a piece in and it doesn't mesh well with the locker room. Things could kind of can guy can kind of go haywire. So I think Mad Bum is guy that most teams will be be kind of stocking. Uh, obviously, San Francisco is in in the cellar. They're they're completely out of it. Uh, whereas Cleveland, they they they're ten out ten and a half out of first place in their division and that second wild card. Uh, is going to be tough, right? Because you got Texas playing well in an AL West and, and, and Tampa neck and neck with the Yankees. So uh, you can expect that wild card to be tough to, to accomplish. So I think Mad Bum ends up going someplace. Uh, I, I think uh, Minnesota would be a good fit. Uh, Tampa would be a good fit if they wanted to add and, and really go for it. They've got the space to do it. I mean, their their salaries as a team is one of the lowest in baseball. So if you were going to add a guy for a year, uh, Mad Bum would be a guy. And Barrow would fit there too. So uh, I think there's a lot of different places. Milwaukee's another team that could to, could add some starting pitching. Absolutely. Uh, 
I, I, I look at a team like Colorado. If they wanted to, they could add some starting pitches because they're going to be in the thick of it for, for a wild card spot too. So um, there's some interesting plays, and it's not only those guys either. It, it's the, the veterans that you got, and, and maybe like a team like Detroit offer up some pieces that could be beneficial to some teams. So my one of my favorite parts of the year, and I think – uh, the fact that there's only one deadline now going to be a lot more hectic than the past because, a- as we talked about last week, teams are going to have to decide uh, two things. They're going to have to decide if they're buyers or sellers now and and if it's worth it to actually pull the trigger on trades of, uh, 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 of bringing in some of these veteran uh, presence that could help their team to that finish line. Yeah, you're talking about some big-time guys and guys you'd like to have your team. Speaking of Bumgarner, okay, what do you got on, on his beef with Max Muncy? Hitting the ball into what he called the ocean in the bay in San Francisco and bad bumps staring him down. You, you got any gripes for that? I actually like Max's response. Following the game for quite some time, and I, I see this too often from Mad Bum, whether it's mm-hmm. hey, somebody taking them deep or someone mad at themselves because they didn't hit a pitch that they thought they should hit. Mad Bum just seems to have a beef with any guy that shows any emotion towards the at-bat or himself. And right. uh, I personally was happy to see Max Muncy respond because Mad Bum is on the mound yelling at somebody for popping up a ball that they felt like they should have hit out. Or And, and you know, we, we talked about it last week when not only did he hit it in the ocean, as Max called it, <laughs> uh, he hit it over the canoes that wait for the ball to get in the ocean. So yeah. I think he hit a ball that far. You're allowed to admire it a little bit. That was very light compared to yeah. some of the things we see. <laughs> we yeah, see it wasn't when balls egregious. The I mean, it was like, no. you know, you hit a ball that far. I mean, we've all been there. You're like, oh, my gosh, I really got into that one. You want to, It's not like you're sitting there admiring your work. but You can take a peek at it. But it's like right. anything you do against Mad Bomb, it's like, Yo, you're not allowed to do that. That's Mad Bomb out there. You know, I, mean, I, I, I will say that I will say that I appreciated his comments after. Right. Because we have been. This the game has been adamant about letting the kids play and letting you show personality. In, in, in his defense, that's him. You know, everybody wants to let kids play and everybody gets to be themselves. Well, this is me. I know I shouldn't like it. I know I should be okay with it, but I'm not. So yeah. uh, let me let me be me. And I appreciate it. On the flip side of that, uh, you got you got uh, Josh Donaldson and Musgrove for the Pirates. Yeah. Uh, getting into very petty. I mean, it was a fastball in that clipped his shirt. I don't think Musgrove's intention was to be staring. I think he was just looking to get the ball from the umpire. And Josh was obviously hot about getting nicked and caused a big scene. And and the crazy part was that they kicked Musgrove out. And I was was blown away by that. I think uh, sometimes these umpires uh, are a little too sensitive and react too fast. When they should have got their heads together, and it was Musgrove didn't incite anything. He made a pitch, trying to go inside. He clipped him on his shirt, and that should have really been the end of it. Yeah, you hit my shirt. Oh, why'd you hit my shirt? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I, I really don't. Josh Donaldson's been around long enough where he should have known that, like, you know, you got to have both sides of the plate. If, if you're a pitcher and you're not working both sides of the plate, you're going to get hit. That's the bottom line. I don't care how good your stuff is down and away to a righty or a lefty. You have to work inside because otherwise guys are going to be diving. They're going to be diving yeah. off the plate, and they're going to go out there and get it. But Musgrove, to get thrown out of that ball game, and then Donaldson, on top of it, he gets a one-game suspension. So Musgrove gets thrown out. Donaldson gets thrown out. Clint Hurdle can't believe it. The, the Pirates manager is thinking, you're going to throw my guy out for that, for hitting his shirt, and then for standing his ground? 
He's not going to just back down from Josh Donaldson. He's a competitor. He's an athlete. I mean, that, that's just the athletic <laughs> spirit in him coming out. So Clint Hurdle has to go protect his player. Then he gets out of the game. I don't get yeah. it. I think that was definitely a case where the umpires should have gotten together and said, you know what? We're going to let this go. Muscovy can continue. I mean, that's the way it should have been handled, period, period. All right, Ben, we, we talked about enough of, of the fisticuffs that it, that can occur during during the baseball <laughs> season. Uh, but Corey Seager, uh, Dodgers shortstop, uh, who missed all of the 2018 season, now on the shelf again. Looks like four to six weeks with a a, a great a, a great two plus uh, hamstring. And I, this team has a has a knack for having the depth to kind of navigate situations, but um, their depth took a hit last year in the couple moves, and I'm not I'm not 100% sure that they can. Uh, that they'll be able to navigate this. They have a they have a big enough lead in the in the national or the National League West. So losing someone like Corey Seager for that amount of time can be detrimental, obviously. But thankfully they have such a big lead. But they are so deep. They have guys that just fill in. They can fill in anywhere. You could have Kike Hernandez play shortstop. You could have Chris Taylor play shortstop. These are guys that can play all over the field. I mean, you've seen it. You might have Max Muncie at first base, then he shifts to third base throughout the game. Next thing you know, he ends up in the outfield. These guys can play all over. I think that's what makes the Dodgers so good at how versatile they are. Um, but losing Corey Seager, that's that's going to be tough. Obviously, he's a big left-handed bat out of that lineup. Uh, he plays a very, very good shortstop. Um, but you, you also you wonder, like, is, is he injury-prone because of the position he plays and how big he is? He's a big oh, dude. He's sneak. one of those guys you, you, you say, okay, he's a big guy, but then you go and stand next to him, you're like, Man, he could Cal Ripken Jr. like yeah. a Derek Jeter. Is he too big for the position? That's a good question, and that, that was one of the things uh, that was a question mark first season in the big leagues was he's done a tremendous job of changing his diet. He, he's, you know, that whole team is almost no dairy, so they, yeah. they, they've jumped onto that trend, and he, he is a, a much leaner version of himself than he was maybe two years ago, but he's still young, and we both know as you get older – uh, the LBs became, became a little bit harder to keep off, and and, and he's still I don't know what you're talking body, about. So <laughs> <laughs> you actually you actually may not know what I'm talking about because yeah, you know, right, I wish. Good. But I, I I think it's a legitimate question though when it comes yeah. uh, uh, to Corey Seager is eventually do you have to move him to third, which caused a little bit of issues because uh, Justin Turner isn't getting any younger, uh, but he's in the spot that he should be at third base. So I've just seen Fernando Tatis Jr., who uh, was coming off of a hamstring. Uh, he came back, and it was almost like he never got injured. I, I've never seen right. anything like it, Ben, where guy, usually guy heads hurts his hamstring even when he gets back. It's a kind of a process to get back. Fortunately for Corey, he, he should be okay from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about Tatis Jr., who's a guy that, you know, he has that one thing on his side you just alluded to. He has youth. You know, he's, yes. he's, the birth certificate doesn't lie. And he's got that youth on his side that he can, he can bounce back from, from injury like that. Fortunately, I never had to worry about that because I couldn't run at all. So my <laughs> hamstrings, they, they never had to worry about getting torn. But, uh, <laughs> but I think, you, you know, you're looking at someone like Tatis Jr. That's, having that youth on your side is always going to benefit you. Uh, getting to a guy that, that, that is really starting to come into his own. He signed a huge deal with the Padres, and that's Eric Hosmer. He's been so yeah. good in the middle of that lineup. And he's got a technique, like his setup, if you're looking at it, he's a he's a big, talk about another big guy, right? He's very good at first base, gold glove first baseman. But what he does in the box, his setup 
is so where he kind of like points that bat straight up in the air before he gets in that hitting position, that attack position. And it's, it's kind of a different setup. It almost looks like he would get to every pitch and kind of cut it. But he's able to get his bat back and loaded. You know, the great Merv Retman, get your bat centered over mm-hmm. your head. That's what he always talked about, right? And, and Hosmer does that as good as anybody. And when I say centered, I mean you get your bat loaded over pretty much a 45-degree angle over your head. And that's, how, that's where he drops that hammer from. Yeah, and, and the best way to think about it was if you had a hat, a little button that's in the center of your hat, that girl to be not necessarily like right above it, but as you said, at a 45-degree angle. Mm-hmm. I want to move to one of your guys, though, Ben. Okay. My guy. I, I, I love this guy. I, play, I had a chance to play for a year, and, and it's been really awesome to watch his growth. And that's Cesar Hernandez. I mean, he has been really tremendous. Uh, leading the Phillies uh, as far as all-star votes, are, uh, he's been one of your more consistent players all season long, Ben. Yeah, he's been really good, and, and it, it's hard to believe that he is the leading vote-getter on the Phillies currently. Uh, in the second-base uh, position, he's been really good for them. He's, he's Now, unfortunately, since the injury to Andrew McCutcheon, has had to move to the leadoff spot to, to fill Andrew's role there. And Obviously, it's tough shoes to fill because Andrew was, was yeah. so hot. But, you know, you, you think about it, well, well, wait a minute. What about Reese Hoskins? What about Bryce Harper? What about JT Real Muto and Gene Segura? You mean to tell me that Cesar Hernandez is the leading vote-getter? That might change, obviously, you know, most likely will. But right now, that goes to show you how good he's been playing at second base, how good he's been from an offensive standpoint from both sides of the plate. Um, you know, he's been he's been able to fill that void a little bit uh, with Andrew being hurt and out for the season. But he's been so good. I mean, you look at some of these guys, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before some of these other guys move up. Speaking of the Phillies, you know, you have JT Romuto is currently third in bouting for the for the all-star game for catchers. Now you have Contreras, who's leading the world in, in catching. But then you have Brian McCann, who's splitting time with Tyler Flowers down in, in Atlanta. But how does Brian McCann get all these votes in JT Romuto, who plays every day? He's doing unbelievable. He's, he's almost 50% throwing guys out. He's hitting close to 280. And how is he not getting more votes? And I think he'll garner, garner more votes sooner or later because he deserves it. This has always been a, a, a sore spot, I think, in baseball is, you know, is an all-star game about guys having good first half or is it a popularity contest? And fortunately, you know, with the way they're doing the balloting this year, being third, he's going to have a chance uh, one way or another. And, I, and, I, and to be honest, this was the first when it's all said and done, he's going to climb that that list. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I want to make a real quick point about uh, Cesar Hernandez. You know, one of the things I enjoyed about that organization is the tradition. Because I remember when I was there, he had, you know, Freddie Galvis, he had Chase Utley, he had Jimmy Rollins. I would guess that those three dudes are good guys to learn from. And it certainly seems like uh, Cesar has done that. Now, you guys had uh, uh, an explosion happen there in Philadelphia. And I'm not yeah. talking uh, I'm not talking the fire time. I'm talking about home runs. You guys had balls flying out of there like it was old Coors Field. And, and what was going on there? Tony, the place was like an airport. 13 home runs. <laughs> 13. It, it was, you have guys hitting balls out, and nothing to get. Scott Kingery's been unbelievable for the Phillies. I mean, but yeah. here's a guy that's, he's listed 5'10. I don't think he's 5'10. I'd say 5'8, 5'9, maybe. <laughs> you know, 175 pounds. He's hitting balls out to right field like it's nothing. He hit a ball down the line, then he hit a ball out to right center. And these are bombs. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this happening? How are these guys doing this? It's unbelievable. And with the, the Diamondbacks, it was a record-setting 13 home runs for those that, 
that haven't been updated on it. 13 home runs between the two teams. 13. The, the, That's the, crazy. The Diamondbacks hit eight. The Phillies hit five. And these numbers are. I don't think that I don't think that record's going to hold up this year. So how about this first stat? Okay, six times this year a team has hit seven or more home runs in a game. Now the Twins did it twice. So five different teams for a total of six times. Six times they've hit seven or more home runs in a game. A single team. That only happened wow. twelve times in the decades of the '90s, right? The big steroid area, you know, where right. guys are getting huge and hitting balls out. It only happened. 12 times in the 90s, and only six times in the 80s. Six times. That's it. So for, for the league to come out and say these balls aren't used, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm not going to call them Rawlings anymore. I'm going to call them a Titleist because these are golf balls <laughs> flying out of the yard. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? The ball flight is completely different than it's been in the past. I mean, see little guys going opposite field in some of the bigger ballparks even some of the fly balls, like you, I mm-hmm. watch a game and a guy gets hits a ball off the label, and I'm looking at outfielders like putting their head down and going back to the wing track. And I'm yeah. like, I, I get it, guys are stronger now, but they're not that much stronger. And these no. balls have to be wound tightly. More guys this year on pace for 20 home runs than we've had in the history of the game. Think yeah. about that. Game's been played for for. A long, long time, and you've never seen anything like this. It, it is, it is mind blowing to me. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And another stat to throw out at you: teams that hit five home runs and lost. There's been six times this season, six times where a team has hit five home runs or more in a game and they've lost. Six times. How do you six hit six? Home, how do you hit five home runs in a ball game and lose? And that just goes that to show is. you that there's just. These these clubs, I mean, someone like the the Twins, I mean, they're hitting balls at, out at an alarming pace. I mean, you're talking about Target Field is supposed to be this big place to hit, cold weather, this and that. Ball's still jumping. So, I don't know. I, I don't know where to go with it. I really don't because this is something that, do I think it's good? I think it's good to extend. But if you if every time a ball goes up in the air, like the other night, every time a ball went up in the air, you're thinking, oh, is it going to stay in the field? You know, it's just yeah, that's it's, the it's, way it's, it is nowadays. Talk about some, some scary news that has really shaken the baseball world. And, th- and that was the shooting of, of David Ortiz, who stable now after having a second surgery. I think he took his reportedly took his first steps uh, days ago. Uh, this shook up the baseball world. I, I don't know that wasn't affected by, we can all safely say that prayers are up for, for, for B- David Big Poppy Ortiz, uh, that he gets back to 100% health. But uh, this shook up baseball. Yeah, it's scary. And it, that's when you realize that, you know, there's a lot more to baseball than, you know, these just these multi-million dollar guys running around on the field. I mean, these are human beings. And this is something yeah. that it, it's scary because I think Poppy, if you think about, obviously, the Red Sox, he won the three World Series with the Red Sox. But if you think about the face of baseball for a lot of years, you know, getting past the steroid era and all this. I mean, David Ortiz was so good for baseball. He was the face of baseball, always smiling. Obviously, what he did and able to contribute to that Sox team. I mean, he turned that franchise around, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Because they were yeah. they were dead, and I don't want a World Series in forever. And all of a sudden, Big Poppy, the Red Sox go out and get him from the Twins. They take a chance on Big Poppy and, and what he brought to that. I mean, they after he went there, it was a completely different attitude in Boston. Uh, he brought a whole different uh, way to play the game that Lucy Goosey just go out there and attack and, and be ready to play every single day. But he was the face of baseball, and to have something happen to him like this, I mean, it's just... It, it's scary because you realize that, you know, he he's just a human being like, like you or like me and like anybody else. And these situations happen. It is scary. 
because you never know when that you know when the lights are going to go out. And it, unfortunately, David yeah. is is you know here with us and recovered from surgery, so we wish him all the best. And let's say the game was at seven at about six fifty when guys are running their sprints. I don't know that there was ever a game that he was involved in that he didn't have at least two or three or four guys from the other team, you know, chopping it up with him at that behind second base as guys are doing their their uh, their sprints and getting ready for a game. And that's from all walks of life. It mm-hmm. wasn't just guys from the Dominican. It was everybody. Like, he is that loved uh, around the game. And when the Boston bombings have, uh, he was the guy that got on that mic and basically told everybody we were going to stand together and bring this bring this city back. And he was the face of that. He was the voice yeah. of that. And, and so in Boston, I, I think there's no doubt, uh, not just in baseball, especially in Boston, uh, he is, is revered and loved a lot. And you could tell that uh, it, it, through the different social medias, how much love. So we are uh, instant and getting back to normal. Uh, speaking of Boston, uh, Chris Sale. Has, mm-hmm. has started to turn it back on. I think uh, there were some serious doubts, you know, because you go back to about the midpoint of last year, through the postseason, into the beginning of this season, there have been some struggles. This hasn't been the Chris Sale that we've all uh, come to know as being dominant and, and, and outspoken. Uh, even in, in some of his pressers after the game, it just seemed like he was losing confidence. Uh, getting right back to where he uh, at the beginning of last year, starting to be dominant again. You see the strikeout numbers starting to go up. Uh, this could only mean good things for Boston. Yeah, they are losing ground. It's hard to believe because of what they were able to accomplish last year. It's pretty much the same team. But if they're yeah. going to make a run, they're going to need Chris Sale. Unfortunately for them, he's starting to throw it again like he did, like we've seen in years past. Now, he has logged a lot of innings over the years. He's been a perennial all-star. He's a guy that just is known for striking guys out. I would not want to be in the box. If I were a straight lefty-lefty hitter, I would not want to be in the box. And you had some experience with that, right? (laughs) I did. In his White Sox days, uh, I faced him when he uh, came to Los Angeles. And uh, to be honest, it's not as uncomfortable as I thought, but it doesn't mean it was any easier Mm -hmm. (laughs) because – Ball, much like I remember my dad used to tell me about Randy Johnson, there is a a portion of you actually don't see the baseball because it's behind you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes for sale. And I mean, and so most hitters, you know, don't have to fear being hit in the head or anything crazy. There is a portion of you, you're a human being, right? There's a portion of you that's when he gets into his windup and that ball gets behind you, you're just hoping that it gets out <laughs> into a, a point of sight that you can see. Certainly not an easy at bat. I tip my hat to lefties that have success on them because uh, it, it certainly isn't easy. Yeah, you'd be up there changing your drawers out, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got that. Seriously, though, he's got that crossfire. When I say crossfire, I mean, so he's a left-handed guy. First of all, he's 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 a giant. I mean, he's he's a big dude. Um, you know, he's listed at 6'6". Not, you know, he weighs 180 pounds, maybe, maybe 190. But when I, he's a left-handed pitcher, so when he kicks his right leg up, he's actually stepping towards the first base bag. So it's got that crossfire action. Then he's got that low three-quarter delivery with his arm. So, yeah, I could see how that would be very, very threatening as a left-handed hitter. But righties don't seem to fare that much better against him. I mean, he's able to, to right. use both sides of the plate. He can throw that the fastball in underneath the hands. and But then, much like Randy Johnson, he can throw that slider on the same plane. So you got to respect the velocity. That pitch is coming in. You don't read spin. It's your back foot, and you're walking back to the bench. 
But that's what makes yeah. him so effective. Be able to throw those two pitches, you know, like a Randy Johnson, like a Steve Carlton. Throw those two pitches on the same plan, and then it, the bottom drops out of it, and you're, you're toast. But, I, you know, yeah. from a lefty standpoint, I, I just couldn't imagine having to hit that uh, just to keep that, your, your front foot in there and, and really trust yourself and trust him that he's not going to drill you. <laughs> no doubt about it. I think that was part of his struggle, right? He, we seen the velocity go down, but we also saw um, that slider not be on that same plane. So you saw a lot more guys taking it. Uh, whatever mechanical adjustment he's made, uh, that that isn't the case anymore. You're starting to see guys swing at that slider, velocity starting to go back up. So to getting back to where he was. So uh, that does it for this portion. Join us next here shortly. Will be Brandon Lau. Uh, on Big Time Baseball Players Edition. Uh, sit back and, and, and enjoy. Brandon Lau, Tampa Bay Rays second baseman and among the American League leaders in home runs at his position. There's a drive. High and deep into right center. McKinney all the way to the wall. And that ball is going to be out of here. Home run into right center by Brandon Lau. His second home run of the night. It's Brandon Lau on Big Time Baseball Players Edition. This is Big Time Baseball Players Edition presented by Radio.com Sports. Alongside Tony Gwynn Jr., I'm Ben Davis. Now let's bring in Brandon Lau, the Tampa Bay second baseman and one of the best rookies in baseball. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. You guys are playing really good baseball right now. How fun is it to be really in a pennant race? I know it's only June, but I know this is uh, something, especially one of the best divisions in baseball. Competing in the AL East, which is always a really extremely tough division, and to be able to be up at the tops of it, it's been a it's been a really fun year so far. Brandon, Tony Gwynn Jr. here. Uh, you guys have really kind of been overlooked uh, going into this season. How has this clubhouse wrapped their minds around you know, being the underdog and going out there and, and just performing at the level. I think everyone coming into the season knew that, you know, that's this is kind of how people would look at, you know, what we what we're capable of doing. You know, they kind of brush it off, say, you know, it's only been a month or something like that. And, you know, there's been no doubt throughout our clubhouse, throughout our set, you know, we're going to be as good as we are and we're going to keep it up. And, you know, it's, only a matter of time before people start to realize. You know, Brandon, we look at your at your stature. Five, you listed at 5'10", 185 pounds, and uh, you provide a lot of a lot of thump in that lineup. Where do you think the bat speed and the power numbers? Where do you think that comes from? I always give kind of the same answer. You know, it's being very efficient with you know my my load and uh, lower half and everything. You know, being able to use your body in the most efficient way possible. Brandon, you guys uh, are—you guys are at the the front of this whole opener thing. Now, when the idea first came down, did you even blink at it? Honestly, it—I it, wasn't up when it first started going, so you know, it had already been—you know—a few months of it really working before I even, you know, was called up into the to the majors and you know, just kind of seeing how it worked and then, you know, getting to see it firsthand, it it didn't surprise me in, in the in the slightest. You know, you know, some of the guys we have starting, you know, last year I guess it was a couple guys, but you know, this year it's primarily been standing and, you know, you put a guy like that out on the mound, he's gonna have success. Now Brandon, you're in the in the midst of a, a six year, twenty four million dollar contract a very club friendly contract the fact that they avoid arbitration uh with you for a lot of years how important was that to you to really 
you know, get that contract done and have a little financial stability behind you? Uh, you know, it was, it was very surprising when it first, you know, came about. But, you know, looking at it, I'm, like you said, it's a, it's a, you know, kind of a security blanket. You know, it's, I know where, you know, my next paycheck's coming from and I know for how long. And, you know, that's something that now all I'm focused on going out there, giving the team my best and, you know, winning games and I'm performing, you know, this deal that I have now. But you guys are all relatively young. How does the leadership, the leadership, just you guys all kind of mending your heads together and, and, and kind of learning as you go? I, I'd say it's a little bit of both. You know, we have a few guys that have, you know, some experience and Charlie and, you know, Kiermaier, Zanino, they all have a few years. Um, so, you know, you kind of look towards them to be the leadership role, but, you know, it's not, we don't have anyone that's really pulling a veteran presence on anyone. You know, everyone's kind of going through it, helping each other through it, learning as we go. And, you know, it's really helped us mesh in the clubhouse and, you know, play relaxed on the field. Brandon, you got a, a pitcher on your team and, and Snell, and, uh, and this guy is just nasty. Uh, being a left-handed hitter, how fun is it that you don't have to face him but how fun is it playing defense behind him? Because the dude is nasty. You ever get, you ever out there playing second base, thinking to yourself, "My God, Blake Snell is just unbelievable." I, I'm so glad I don't have to face him, but he just makes hitters look silly. That's got to be fun playing behind. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I was more excited when I signed my extension or when he signed his, uh, <laughs> because I knew I wouldn't have to face him for at least six years. Uh, but, you know, one of the greatest positions I have is when, you know, we shift and I'm right up the middle and I get to see what exactly the pitch is doing. Because, you know, you really don't get that when you're you know, sitting in the dugout or, you know, playing outfield and stuff. And sometimes I can be behind looking straight at the pitch and I don't know exactly what pitch he just threw. So I have to look up and be like, fastball? Or... And, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive, you know, what he can do up on the mound. And it's it's fun to watch. Now, Ian Snell is not the only guy that you guys have that is has had a the, the young kid Glass now. Uh, what's his status? Because uh, he was off to a great start before uh, he got injured. Uh, he's got electric stuff, man. It's that's even that's another person that's just it's exciting to watch because you know he's a young guy and really changed some stuff coming out of spring training and was working on some stuff in spring training and. As you guys saw, I mean, it was pretty dominant, and he is having an, an incredible year. And you know, we're all hoping that he comes back here strong. And whenever you know his whatever his timetable is, and we hope that you know he comes back and is the same exact guy that he was, because that's something that we always want on the mound. Now, Brandon, you're from Newport News, Virginia, and obviously, we know a ton of great athletes. From Newport News, Alonzo Mourning, Michael Vick, Allen Iverson, BJ and Justin Upton, Plattingo Burst, Gabby Douglas, to name a few. Where do you think you list on that, the, the list of athletes? Where do you think you rank on that list? That's a extremely tough question for me to answer by myself. Um, <laughs> mainly because I grew up watching those guys and, you know, seeing Allen Iverson play, Michael Vick play, it, it was just stuff that, you know, I don't think I'd ever had my name mentioned up there with them. So uh, I think I still have a little bit of ways to go, but, you know, it'd be great to 
you know, when people mention great athletes in that area, to be up there with the Allen Iversons, the Michael Vicks, David Wrights, Upton Brothers, and stuff like that would be incredible. I want to ask your manager, Kevin Cash. I mean, uh, this, this guy's about my age and is handling club like he's been doing it for a long time. He's an easy guy to play for. Uh, you know, he, he's honestly brilliant up there, you know, with the decisions he's got to make. And he handles everything extremely well, especially, you know, sometimes he's got to make hard decisions, you know, lineups, pitching changes and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think there's anybody that's in the dugout or on the field that's questioning him when he makes any any decisions. And, you know, that makes it really easy to play for him when, you know, you have – every guy in the locker room believing in it and his decisions. Brandon, we appreciate you coming on. I know you've got a busy schedule. you got the Angels in town. Uh, should be fun with Mike Trout, Shohei Otani coming in, and uh, you guys looking to do some battle against them. So we appreciate your, the time, and we wish you the best of luck with the upcoming season. And good luck getting some votes for the All-Star game. Very, very uh, deserving to go to Cleveland this year, and I'm sure that would be a thrill yeah. of a lifetime. Yeah, that would be incredible. Uh, hopefully that all works out. Well, thank you thank very you much, Brandon. Time, we'll talk Brandon. to you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball Players Edition, presented by Radio.com Sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast by searching Big Time Baseball. Be sure to give us a five-star review. You can also find it on Twitter at RDC Sports. Until next time, I'm Ben Davis alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. Great day. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.